And welcome. This is In the Studio with Michael Card, a weekly visit. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and boy, do we have an interesting lineup today because a little later on, some guy named Pat Boone uh-huh. is going to join us. Pat Boone. Pat Boone. I, it's I've the, heard that name. The Pat Boone. <laughs> All right. You got to tell us how this friendship came about. Um, Wes King, who's a you know great sing, singer and songwriter, um, he, he connected up with Pat. They wanted to write some songs together, and so they called me. So the three of us have been meeting at Wes's house <laughs> working on a song, uh, and it's uh, – well, you're going to get to okay. – you're, you're going to get to hear we'll Pat hear, in a minute. We'll hear his side of it. He, he's a remarkable guy. He is, he is a Jesus freak <laughs> and uh, just so fun to be around. So it'll, it'll be great to you have him You say that with affection, right? No, I mean that in the best way, but he is a 1970s Jesus freak. <laughs> We'll get to know the real Pat Boone yes. here later with Michael Card in the yeah. studio today. Uh, but before that, we're going to delve into the book of Mark here because mm-hmm. we want to give an overview of the Gospels for the next couple of weeks. And I always look forward to these conversations, Michael. Um, the song that we're going to use to ask you to sing to introduce this study, though, is God's Own Fool. And interestingly, we've been getting quite a few comments from people about Uh-oh. this song online. Well, no, no, it's it's good. This person, Robert, says, thank you for sharing your love for Jesus. God's own fool means so much to my understanding of God's love for us. You've been a blessing for so long. May God continue to use you. Blessings, mm. my brother. Mm. Thank that you, Robert. Nice. Uh, and then one more, um, D. Marty says, God's own fool has long been one of my favorites. The song captures the irony of power and humility coexisting mm. in perfect harmony. Mm. So Never thought of that. That's pretty good. The song is God's own fool. Uh, do you remember writing this oh, song? Oh, I definitely, I definitely <laughs> remember this song. It was so long song. ago, right? <laughs> it was a long time ago, but I, I remember this one in particular because I, I had been, uh, I'd just gotten out of college. I just graduated. And, you know, philosophy and religion department, philosophy and religion, we were right there in the uh-huh. same department at Western Kentucky University. Wonderful group of professors, and it was a great, great time. But there there were, amongst some of the thinkers in that school, uh, rationalists. And I had never run into a rationalist. And they would basically say, no, uh, Christianity makes perfect sense. And I'm thinking, you know, the, the more I read, the more I, I try to understand it, the less I realize I, I do understand that it is a mystery, you know, the Trinity, the virgin birth, all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And there were Actually, people that taught there that said no, no, that makes that make perfect sense, and uh, you know, and the human mind can basically grasp all this, and and you know, even at eighteen, I'm thinking, eh, I don't think so, <laughs> and so that's where the song "God's Own Fool" came from, uh, because um, it, it was a reaction against this sort of rationalism, and uh, the line in the song is, "The power of paradox opens your eyes and blinds those who say they can see." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I don't know, so there's a lot lot of that in there. Let's pause to listen to the song right now, and then we'll get into the book of Mark here. God's Own Fool. It seems I've imagined him all of my life As the wisest of all of mankind But if God's holy wisdom is foolish to men He must have seemed out of his mind For even his family said he was mad And the priest said a demon's to blame But God in the form of this angry young man Could not have seemed perfectly sane We in our foolishness thought we were wise he played the fool and he opened our eyes When we in our weakness believed we were strong He became helpless to show we were wrong So we follow God's own fool For only the foolish can tell Believe the unbelievable And come be a fool as well So come lose your life for a carpenter's son For a madman who died for a dream Then you'll have the faith his first followers had And you'll feel the weight of the beam So surrender the hunger to say you must know Have the courage to say I believe 
For the power of paradox opened your eyes and blinds those who say they can see. When we in our foolishness thought we were wise, he played the fool and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. know what a favorite that song is mm-hmm. of many listeners. Here's one. Allison wrote to us and said, this song, God's Own Fool, is one of the most profound I've ever heard regarding Jesus. I lived in my own wisdom and strength and had no idea what foolishness I followed by rejecting Christ and thinking my sincere efforts or my good could mm-hmm. save me in Jesus' name. What grace he's given me in his lamb. Now I follow God's own fool and only the foolish can tell. Believe the unbelievable and come be a fool as well. This person says, I share your lyrics, Michael, as an invitation for Christ. Your gift writing is such evidence of the Holy Spirit's hand because your songs carry power unto salvation and what is preached through the singing of the gospel. Wow. That nice? Great. Thank oh, you, Allison. Thanks. Yeah. Wonderful encouragement. And thanks for doing the song here for us, Michael. Okay. Let's move on to the Gospel of Mark. Over the next few weeks, we want to look at each of the four Gospels individually, yeah. and we'll start with Mark. Well, I think it's appropriate. Isn't Mark the oldest We gospel? we We think so. Um uh, and and what's uh, captured my interest over the last several years, and and I, I intend to work on this until you know until I'm done done, is the uniquenesses of the voices of the gospel writers. Um, it, it's just a, it's a door that opens the gospels up to you that that there are things that Mark was interested in that Matthew couldn't care less about, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, different aspects of Jesus' life that that that. Each one of the gospel writers um, became preoccupied with and would focus on that that part of the ministry or, or whatever. And it gets to the point, Wayne, where there's about a dozen of these um, um, uh, uniquenesses that you learn, and you'll hear a, ver- a verse, and you go, well, that sounds like Luke. If the word's amazement, and especially if it says something like, and they were astonished and amazed, well, that's Luke every time. <laughs> if it's a story about Jesus being misunderstood— um, especially right after he says something deeply significant, that's always John, always John. If if it's a, if it's a story where Jesus tends to be more emotional, angry, or or, or you know filled with compassion, that sort of thing, it tends tends to be Mark because Mark was interested in that. So it's an amazing the mind of God to give us yes. th- those individual looks. Yeah, at the same message, right? and the differences aren't disagreeing with each other. Right. They're, they're they're in harmony. Yeah, it's like a three D picture that it gives us. Of I mean, what if all the gospels were the same? What's the <laughs> what would the point be? Right. But uh, yeah, we, so we want to look at at Mark, which um, most people believe was written first. Anything you assert, trust me, there's someone, <laughs> somebody will challenge. It. Well, there are people that say John was written first. There's okay. a group that says that. So you know, but but the ninety percent position, as Bill Lane would say, is that Mark was written first. And and the the first question is always, I mean, who who is Mark? Who who was this this person? And it it it, uh, it comes out that he was really the perfect person to write the first gospel, because in a lot of ways, I think the church, I don't want to say it started, but the first church in Jerusalem met in his house. Hmm. Well, how appropriate, you sure, know, was yeah. that? An is, eyewitness, right? And Peter plays an important role here. Well, I'm get, I'm getting to that. Okay, um, all right. Um, I won't I won't jump ahead then. Okay. Well, so he's he's uh, he's the nephew of Barnabas. I mean, here's this person that's leaving, giving leadership in the church before Paul's even a Christian, right? Barnabas, the encourager. Yeah, but in Colossians four uh, ten, we find out that uh, he is his he's his uncle, which also helps you understand why Mark. Uh, Teams up with Barnabas, right? When after Barnabas and Mark split, mm-hmm. they 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 team up. Uh, he was he was around uh, when the church was starting, which I think again makes him the perfect person to write the first gospel. In fact, the first time we hear his his uh, name mentioned is in Acts twelve when 
Peter's been busted out of prison by the angel, and Peter goes to Mark's house. <laughs> you know, so again, that's the first gospel writer. Yeah. Um, he travels with Barnabas and Paul. Um, but the most, I think the most important part of Mark's, uh, of understanding who Mark is, is to realize that he's a disciple of Peter. Peter calls him my son in 1 Peter uh, 5.13. And um, so a lot of people believe, and again, I think this is this is fairly self-evident, that the gospel of Mark is really the gospel of Peter. Yes, right. Uh, Peter at one point in 2 Peter says, I will make every effort to see that after my departure you'll be able to remember these things. Um, Bill Lane you know, used to say, well, he, Mark and Peter are clearly working on this gospel. Um, so... Um, yeah, so so he he's he has this connection with with Peter, um, and then the other really interesting thing about the life situation of Mark uh, is that it's written right after the fire in Rome, and and this is all the church fathers with one voice agree on this. This is one of the few things we have agreement on. Yeah, so this was written during a time of persecution. Absolutely, during the first time of persecution for Christians. Uh, so in 64, uh, July of 64, um, the Rome, 11 of the 14 districts are burned to the ground. Uh, fairly quickly, people realize that Nero set that fire. He's trying to build his golden house, and uh, it's the house covers a third of the city. There's a hallway in the house that's a mile long. Wow. Yeah, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. Uh, and he actually ended up building it huh. eventually, but... Um, um, Nero dis, uh, uh, Nero realizes he can't have to blame somebody. He's got to find the word they use in the, the historians as uh, scapegoat. Mm-hmm. So Christians were blamed. You know, everybody hates them anyway. Yeah, yeah. I remember our conversation with our uh, pastor friend from Rome, uh-huh. who's talked to us here on the program about That's that, right. that yeah. time. Yeah, that's uh, Corrado Primavera. Um, so, and he's helped me understand this uh, in, in more detail. So anyway, uh, so the the the. Christians are set up as scapegoats, and uh, Peter and Paul are both in Rome during this time. And um, the, the, the believers in the, in the early church come to Mark. This is in Eusebius, his church historian. And they say, please ask him to write down the testimony of Peter. So uh, that's, that's what I think Peter is alluding to. He and Mark, they're, they're writing this down. Uh, and so the story's told from the, the, the standpoint of Peter. They're dealing with the persecution uh, that's happening in, in, uh, in Rome. And that ends up being one of the major themes in Mark is that uh, basically Mark wants you to realize that you're not going to suffer anything that Jesus hasn't already suffered. That's one of the uniquenesses of Mark. Hmm. So, so say, you say that again. What's the uniqueness? Okay, one of the uniquenesses of Mark is that he is trying to—, to uh, uh, convince his readers that they will not experience any kind of suffering that Jesus hasn't already oh, okay. suffered. Interesting. Okay? Yeah. So, so then you so you start li- looking for unique passages that only Mark talks about. Well, um, only Mark tells us that at one point Jesus' mother and brothers were convinced that Jesus was out of his mind. That's only in Mark. Well, why is that only in Mark? Well, uh, what are Mark's first readers hearing? You must be out of your mind. To believe, and so Mark wants you to know. Yeah, your parents—they think—they think you're out of your mind. Well, guess what? At one point, Jesus' parents, his mother anyway, thought he was out of his mind. That sort of thing, and then it comes through in in, um, in some other sort of odd ways. Um, the uh, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. You look at that story in Mark. Mark is not interested in this story. Okay, it's in there. Why do you say that? Well, he tells it in two verses. Okay, there, there's no. I mean, you and we know from reading the other gospels mm-hmm. that there was the threefold temptation. Mm-hmm. None of that's in Mark. And again, if you've been listening closely to the gospels, you stop and go, "Oh, wait a minute, he left something out here. Wonder why he left this out." And then he says something unique, something that the other gospel writers who tell the story never even refer to. And this is what Mark says. He says that when Jesus was in the wilderness. He was with the wild beasts. So why do you think only Mark says that? What's happening to his first readers? They're being to th- they're being oh, thrown yeah. to wild beasts. Yes, of course. Right. So, but see, then it begins to res- <laughs> the the book begins to resonate. I think in a different way, 
And that that's another one of the the uniquenesses. Uh, there's there's all kinds of clues of that life situation. Um, t- it talks about the fact that uh, everyone will be salted with fire. Um, there, there's all I've got a whole list here of all the little clues that point to the the persecution that happens under Nero. Hmm. These are all distinctives of Mark. Yes, that we don't find in the other gospels. Yes, right. yes. And there are details in Mark that we don't have. We've talked about some of them. Right. Well, I think one of the most interesting uh, is is his portrayal of Jesus. And I I refer to it as the emotional life of Jesus. Mark Mark is the most interested in that. If you look in like John, just look at the the personality of Jesus in John. He's fairly unemotional. In fact, in the whole Gospel of John, only four adjectives are used to, to describe Jesus' Uh, uh, emotion, his emotional life. But you, you go to Mark, especially like starting with the first chapter. We can look at that if you want to. He's 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 this complex. His emotions are complex. He'll be he'll have compassion one minute, and then the next verse he'll be angry about something. And uh, and again, only only Mark. I'm, I'm looking at my list here. He rebukes. He's moved with compassion. He strongly warns people. In chapter three, he looks around in anger. See, that's only Mark. Well, the Peter connection here, Peter that's, was an emotional person. Right, and Peter is the person who is uh, the closest, he's emotionally linked with Jesus. So, of course, when Peter tells a story, yeah. he, he reflects. He's going to focus on those right, things. He yeah. reflects back on that. And again, that, that makes Mark even more precious. And one other little small detail, and also we'll see this if we look at this, this end of chapter one. Um, Peter is interested in the fact that from the very, very first the ministry was out of control. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is the most interested in the in the in the crowd and the size of the crowd. Only Mark, only in Mark does Jesus say, "Have a boat ready so the people don't push me into the lake." You know these long discussions you hear. Jesus gets out on the boat because mm-hmm. the acoustics are better. Blah blah blah. <laughs> that's not that's not what he was doing. He was being so covered up with people. That uh, and we'll see at the end of chapter one, right. Jesus is fleeing to the wilderness because there's so many people. All right, you got to take us now to chapter yeah, one. Yeah, you've, okay. you've 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 whetted our appetite, let's, Michael. Let's look and see if I can find it. That's in <laughs> yeah. the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Right? uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Matthew, Mark. Uh-huh. I got it right here. <laughs> okay. And 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 I think maybe more than any of the other gospels, Mark uh, in the very first chapter kind of sets up um, a lot of these distinctives. Um, so let me find. Yeah, there's Mark one. Um, let, I, I, you don't have time to read the whole the whole chapter, sure. but but l- let me start from verse thirty five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to the to a deserted place. Now, uh, the, in Greek, the term is eremos tapos, and it's it's unfortunately translated a bunch of different ways to the to the point that you lose the fact that it's a major theme in Mark. Mm. Everything, Bill Lane's commentary makes a lot of this, uh, every major thing that happens, happens in the wilderness. He's always going to, so he goes to pray, he prays all night, he prays alone in the wilderness, okay? So that's, that, and that's not the first time it's come up and, and, and we're just 35 verses into it. Um, Simon and his companions, <laughs> now notice it doesn't say the 12. Right. In the, in the Gospel of Mark, it's Simon and his companions. Yeah. Simon is uh, number one here. Right. And Simon is telling us the story. Yeah. So Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. See, there's that theme of, you're a hit. We're covered up. There's 5,000 people on that hill over there waiting for you. And he said to them, let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I've come. See, Jesus will say, let's go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Mm-hmm. He's not searching out the, uh, the, the crowds, but here's the emotional uh, side of it. Uh, so he went uh, into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Mark is very interested in that part of Jesus' ministry, too. Uh, then a man with leprosy came to him on his knees and begged him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In Jesus' world, in first century Judaism, it was thought, uh, it was thought that it was harder to cleanse a leper than it was to raise someone from the dead. The, we we don't get that now. I mean, raise someone mm-hmm. from the dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. But in Jesus' day, to cleanse a leper was thought to be a greater mm. greater miracle. So here's the emotional Jesus: move with compassion, and that's a very emotional word. 
Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I'm willing. He told him, be made clean. Immediately, which is also one of Mark's favorite words, the, words, the, the, the Greek word uthos, immediately. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Then he sternly warned them. Do you, do you see how emotional he is? Yeah. So he's filled with it's compassion. It's very detailed language, isn't it? It, 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 it is, in, in, in particular in regards to his emotions. So what happens, Jesus sees the, the, this man healed, and again, the context in Mark is how huge the crowds are. Jesus realizes healing this guy, we're going to be covered up with people. And so what does he do? He sternly warns him. He sternly warned him and sent him away, uh, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone. And again, this, that's not totally unique to Mark, but it's it's a major theme in Mark. Jesus does a miracle, and he tells people, please don't tell anyone I did that. Why? Because of the crowd. They're being so covered up. So he's he's moved with compassion. Then the man's healed, and he kind of gets mad because he thinks, oh, this is just going to work against the ministry. Yeah. So don't tell anyone that I did it. And, of course, they never do, right? He tells people not to tell. How can you not tell? So verse 45, yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result. Listen, Jesus could no longer enter town openly. This is the end of chapter 1, and he's already covered up. But he was out in Aramos Tapos, deserted places, and they came to him from everywhere. So by the end of chapter 1, he's so covered up with people, he's fleeing to the wilderness. These kinds of details, I mean, it just makes it come alive. Yeah. It makes you want to, and this is what we want to happen. We want our listeners to go to Mark themselves yeah. and read it again, and, read it anew, and, and you, look for those details. And right? you will see those things. And here's the really cool thing. You'll see things that I've never seen. When we have our Bible conferences, it happens every day. Someone will come up with a question or some observation, and it's something I never thought yeah. Never thought of. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joe Carlson's our producer listening here. And Joe, I know you've taken this into your study with inmates at the Cook County Jail, and they will come up with things that you didn't see because you've encouraged them to read. Yeah. He's shaking his head yes. But. It's so fun to start looking at the detail. and But the important part is to stop and say, okay, what does that detail mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that Mark left yeah, out? It's not enough just to notice the detail. Yes. There, it's there for a reason. There, it, it's absolutely there for a reason. Every little detail means something. <laughs> So we've just scratched the, the oh, surface gosh. here. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you've written a whole book. Yeah. You've written a series of books on book, each of the Gospels. And the book just scratched the surface. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But uh, tell us, how how should we be reading Mark now with this this understanding? Well, you know, it's like we said, you, it, it's with an eye for detail. And, you know, eventually, and, you know, I, I call it the pinch test. You take all four Gospels and you pinch them. It's only, you know, a tiny little sliver of the whole Bible, right? So the, I, I tell people, you know, we can get this. We can learn this. Uh-huh. And uh, so once you get uh, in your head the basic content of the four Gospels, then you'll start recognizing, for example, in John, where the Lord's Supper should be, it's not there. He leaves it out. He leaves parables out. That should bother you, right? And 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 you start asking, what does that detail mean? Especially what is, since this was written first, and yes. to leave those things out. Right, right. Interesting. Well, again, um, there's so much more here, and but our our purpose here is to whet your appetite. Yes, and I say as you learn to listen to Scripture, you also learn to listen to your own life, and that maybe the application is that you know what details mean something. You know, something you you may think is an in, an insignificant detail in your life may be something that God is going to use to really profoundly change you or encourage you or encourage someone else. Good word. Yeah. Good word. Well, we're going to ask you to sing a song that was recorded in the studio here. It's called Know You in the Now. But when Helen heard this song, she wrote to us and she said, Praise God that you're using your talents for his glory. I wish I could say so much more. Your music got me through very difficult times in the past. Mm. And I can still sing this song, Know You in the Now, Mm. and see God's faithfulness and steadfast love, past and present. Mm. So well, thanks, Helen. That, by, by the way, is my, my favorite name. I love the name Helen. Do but, you? Okay. Yeah, but thank you so much for that. And if the song really helped you, I had nothing to do with it. If it really <laughs> helped you. But we're all going to hear it now from Michael Card. Know you in the now.
so many strange to see The one we talk so much about But rarely ever live it out Could you tell me why Was it for this you came and died Once a week observance When we go with Ken Lewis, Know You in the Now. Well, that wraps up part one of an hour dedicated to God's Word and living it out faithfully in our world. And we've already featured some comments from listeners in this session. The messages we feature have really helped frame the conversation today, and we hope they will in future episodes. Keep those comments and questions coming our way. If you have something on your mind or if there's a personal reaction to a song from Michael, just use the contact section on our website. Go to michaelcard.com and scroll down to find contact. And if you want to share what you found on this podcast with a friend, we've made accessing this program as easy as possible. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search for Michael Card or get the links at michaelcard.com. You can extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael today. Check out his insights through his weekly blog, his books and music and conference schedule that address other topics based in the Bible. Explore all of this at michaelcard.com. Well, we're getting ready for the second half and our guest coming up, Pat Boone, a conversation you won't want to miss. Hear it in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. Join us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. We'll start off the hour with teaching from several Bible passages that talk about the reality of pursuing a friendship with God. We'll learn what happens when God's glory is revealed to those who seek Him. In the second half, Dr. John Perkins joins us for a conversation about developing a lifestyle that makes progress towards racial reconciliation. Powerful insights along with inspiring music, all at michaelcard.com. Let's continue now with Michael Card in the studio, and Pat Boone is going to join us in a yeah. moment. Yeah, what a what a treat to have him have him on. A remarkable yeah. man, spending some time with him, working on some music, and uh, uh-huh. he's. We'll uh, learn all about that in just a moment. Hey, uh, we're going to ask you to sing this song by your name, mm-hmm. and you say there's a connection with Pat here. Well, I I, I wrote this song in college when uh, I, I I've forgotten now what the what the struggle was. I was struggling with something and realized that. Um, Jesus had been waiting for me all through that struggle, and and as we were just listening to it now, uh, you know, getting ready to do this uh, this segment, I realized that's kind of the story of Pat's life. He he is a person who has radically uh, trusted in Jesus, for, you know, his, his whole life, and has suffered. Yeah, has for been it. scorned by some yes. for it. We'll learn about yes. that. All right. Well, Michael Card sings it in the studio by your name. I failed again to make the mark. I've lost my way once more I tried to do it by myself Like so many times before But now again I turn to you I'm hungry and confused By now my strength's dissolved away And I feel like I've been used Myself, oh Lord, it will always be the same. It's you who'll have to hold my hand and 
protect me by your name. By your name, Michael Card in the studio. And Michael, sometimes you're just so unpredictable to me. Well, I don't know about that. I think I'm. Pre- my wife would say I'm pretty. I'm pretty predictable. But but we are about to have the most unpredictable person. Uh, well, that's Jesus was unpredictable. Okay. So that's yeah. a great. That's yeah. a great compliment. I think he was. But uh, this brother is. He is a Jesus freak. A 1970s Jesus freak. <laughs> And uh, you say that with all affection. Oh, I, it is with all affection, and uh, it's a real privilege to to uh, to get to be his friend. So I want to introduce Pat Boone. Hey, Pat. <laughs> That's one of the best introductions I ever had. No kidding. Okay. Well, and you couldn't say anything that I appreciate more. So that's a badge of honor, huh? To be called a Jesus freak. I mean, it's almost on a par with when uh, old. What was Keith Olbermann, who had his own television show for a while talking about politics and sports and he twice called me and he did this every week he named the worst person in america and twice i won that honor wow oh, no wow. the worst person in america four things that i was saying and it had to do with jesus and about god's will oh, yeah. boy. and i was writing columns in world net daily and newsmax huh. and uh and just speaking out against like uh, john the baptist the voice crying in the wilderness. In fact, I think it was March of 2009 when I was the first I I know of who called for a new American Tea Party. Wow! And it was only after that 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 uh, this Tea Party idea began to grow. And I wow. can't say that I was the genesis of it, but I know I'm the first I know of that that wrote a column about the original Boston Tea Party and why Americans threw off the yoke of Great Britain, and threw the tea that they were, didn't want and they had to pay tax on mm-hmm. into Boston Harbor, and that started the uh, American Revolution. It was a, a tea party of just citizens yeah. who said, we're not going to take this anymore. Taxation <laughs> without representation. Hey. Exactly. We're not going to exactly. go there. Yep. Well, Pat, if you're standing up for Jesus, that's a badge of honor to have someone criticize you for that. Yeah. So Yeah, and then, of course, you know, having ba- set 300 baptisms in our pool, during the 70s wow. when the Jesus movement broke out. Huh. And uh, and kids who were coming to Jesus and reading the Bible for the first time in their lives were saying, wait, all these first century Christians were baptized. Why aren't we baptized? Well, let's do. And the churches here in Beverly Hills, California, hardly were making any provision for baptism. So wow. you remember there were baptisms in the ocean and yes. in rivers and, and, uh, and then in Pat Boone's pool. <laughs> which I had heated. And we had 300 or more baptisms in our pool. I'd go out and take uh, wow. and take part in baptizing young people who had just come to the Lord out of their drugs. Wow. Well, Pat, I want to hear your side of the story. How did you and Michael get connected? Uh, I, I, first of all, I knew his some of his music, although I love that uh, by your name or his name. Uh, I loved El Shaddai, of course, and I, I, I felt like I had to write a song about the name of God, and uh, and he had already done that. One of, of his precious names is El Shaddai, and there are others, 
but but that song, of course, has become a Christian classic. But with Hebraic, um, it's in a Hebraic mode, and the chords and the sound of it, it sounds Jewish. And so, I had read and and knew about Rabbi Kaduri. He thought he thought Kaduri Isaac, uh, the most revered rabbi in Israel, 106 years old, who told his followers on the Day of Atonement about four years ago that Messiah has appeared to me and told me his name. I've written it down. It's uh, I've sealed it. I don't want it open for a, a year after I passed, which came soon after that. And then they opened the envelope, and I told Prime Minister Netanyahu last year in his office in private that he had revealed the name of Messiah in his own handwriting, and Netanyahu said, which is? I said, Yehoshua. And I heard Netanyahu say, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And the name Yehoshua, Jehovah, is salvation. That's Yeshua, which is abbreviation or short for Yehoshua, but the name itself means salvation. Jesus' name, his mother, <laughs> I picture him in a book I'm writing, saying to her young boy, Yeshua, or salvation, come help me with the dishes. Mm, nah. Uh, the carpenter, his father, saying, Yeshua, or salvation, come help me finish this table. Mm-hmm. Or his buddies running with him in the sea, above the Sea of Galilee, in the, in the field, saying, wait, Yeshua, wait, salvation, wait for us. Mm-hmm. We name our kids hope or faith or charity. And his name was salvation, or Yehoshua, or Yeshua. So I thought, that's got to be a song, and I don't know how to do it. So I contacted through West King. Actually, as you know, uh, Michael and Wes and I were together at a Bibles for the World event in Florida, and that's when I got to actually meet uh, Michael and Wes. They were both performing their songs, and, uh, and I asked them at the time, would they help me write a song on that name, Yehoshua, and they both said they would. Okay. So, so we th- are. We're working on it So now. you're working on it now, Michael? Yeah, we, we get together uh, about every month at Wes's house, and we have the best time looking at Scripture and uh, and talking through things, and we're, we're pretty close. So wouldn't you say, Pat, we're pretty close? Yes, I think we are, and I wrote you and Wes I've got sort it. of a, a breakdown of, of way I, the way I'm hearing it. It's yep. hard to do, collaborate when I'm on the West Coast and you're... Yeah. Coast, well, and, and but we are doing it. And and I don't write I I've never sat with someone and written a song. I always kind of get my assignment and go off by myself and write it and, and say have, hear the have, words and, and do whatever with them, you know, fix them any way you want to, but you know, <laughs> but uh this I think this is going to be a great song. I can't wait to hear you sing it. Well, you guys well, promised uh, to bring the song to us on this program, right? I don't know. Well, we certainly will. Of course we will. <laughs> At least far I'm concerned it's your program, but where else would we want to introduce the song? Your program. All right. I like the way you think. Yeah. Do you do a radio show? I should know this. Well, I, I am doing a weekly show on Sirius XM. It's uh, it's called it's on 50s on 5, that channel. Okay. And, of course, I had more actual chart records, 41, in the 50s. Okay. That is remarkable. Elvis, and so I'm hosting a show on the 50s channel, 50s on 5 every week and i do an hour but then they bicycled it around uh, where it will air eight or ten times through the week and i'm getting all kinds of mail from people like gene simmons of kiss wow <laughs> well, l- let me just saying, say this elvis presley opened for you correct yeah <laughs> first time we met yeah yeah now come on how cool is that wow. well it is it, you know it's startling to say it but my, I started my recording career, I was in college in North Texas State, um, Benton, Texas, and I had won a talent contest, which led to a national contest, which led to a contract with Dot Records, and my first record was a cover of a rhythm and blues song called Two Hearts, Two Kisses mm. by the Charms on the two-tone label. One heart, not enough, baby. <laughs> two hearts will make you feel crazy. One kiss will make you feel so nice. Two kisses take you to paradise. Oh, two hearts, whoa. two kisses make one love. Well, that was a million-seller hit right out of the box. Wow. In March of 55, well, in October of 55, I'd already had three million seller singles and was on my way to the fourth in that space just those few months. So I was asked by Bill 
uh, Bill Randall, who was the nation's top DJ in Cleveland, to come to a sock hop and headline it. Uh, and I did, of course. I had now moved to New York and Columbia University, but I came out to Cleveland. And that night at the uh, Brooklyn High School, I don't know why it was called Brooklyn High School in Cleveland, but it was, and 3,000 kids were dancing, and uh, wow. Bill had me backstage and was going to introduce me to Lip Sync, three of my hits. Mm-hmm. And in walks this guy from Shreveport, Louisiana, considered a rockabilly down then, uh, a singer doing country songs with a rock flavor uh, on the uh, Louisiana Hayride mm. with two or three of his buddies and his Elvis Presley. Well, I I had heard his record, his only record at that time, on a jukebox in Dallas. So I said, hi, Elvis, I'm Pat Boone. He said, nice to meet you. <laughs> and I, I said, um, I, Bill Randall says he thinks uh, big things may be ahead for you. You've been signed to RCA Victor. Well, I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> and, he, and he leaned back against the wall with his buddies, and I could tell he was shy or he didn't want to talk anymore. So uh-huh. uh, he was introduced first. He went on lip sync, Blue Moon of Kentucky, Keep On Shining. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. That was a Bill Monroe song, mm-hmm. which the kids didn't care for. I mean, wow. they liked the way he looked. But but then he finished that, and, and I heard him say, uh, Thank you very much. I. Uh, I'm going to play the other side of that record for you now. Hope you like it. And he's saying, that's all right, Mama. Oh, boy. That's all right with me. It was rhythm and blues, and they loved it and wanted more, but that's all he had, so he left. <laughs> and then I came on, and thank God I had three hits <laughs> already wow. uh, since March of that year, and I got all the screams that night, and then yeah. we became real friends. He was from Memphis. I was from Nashville. Two Tennessee boys shaking things up. That is musical history right there. That is fantastic. Uh, Pat, you mentioned the the rabbi who found Messiah. Uh, That's been very impactful for you, hasn't it? Oh, yes, because, and and it it is impacting Israel right now. It's shaking up uh, Orthodox Israel and Judaism because this rabbi, as Netanyahu told me, he, he always called me speedy. Uh, for Speedy Gonzalez, because, and he still does, he he was in school at MIT uh, in college, and that's when Elvis and I were in, both in our white-hot early years, and uh, and he loved Speedy Gonzalez. So every time we're, hello, Speedy, come on in. <laughs> and uh, and so we were there in his office when he I told him about Rabbi who, had, who, who's, who said Messiah had given me his name. He said 300,000 of us stood in the streets when they blew the shofar at Rabbi Kaduri's passing because he was that respected. And now that rabbi has told his followers that that the Messiah's name is Yeshua, which is translated in English, Jesus. And that's what Netanyahu said under his breath to me when I told him. And, and now Rabbi Kaduri's own rabbinical students are becoming Messianic rabbis. They're reading scriptures that were sort of off limits to them, yeah. like Isaiah and Isaiah Malachi. Isaiah 53. And, yeah, yeah, all those scriptures that were sort of off limits because they knew it was like a picture of of the of the Lamb who was slain, the one that they rejected, who was who died for our sins. Uh, with our stripes, he was healed, and they don't want to read those scriptures or even contemplate them. But now they have to. And it's 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 causing upheaval. Uh, they wanted to take, they wanted to ignore what Rabbi Kaduri said, but it was already on their website, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and a, and a photo. And Carl Gallops wrote the book, who I interviewed on TBN, and this is how I came to know it. So, it is uh, we're being brought together. After all, as Michael knows, the whole Bible from Genesis one to the Revelation, the end of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus, Amen. Maranatha. Amen. All of it written by Jews, about Jews, for Jews, about little Israel from whom the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, would come as Savior for the world. All of this, what we call Christianity, is simply Jewish. <laughs> and it's, all of it. It's the fulfillment of a Jewish hope. Yes, it yeah. is, it is. And the promise, it fulfilled. So, it, it, and you know, how do you write a song? about this. Well, I knew I, I just was not, I wanted to, I felt called to, 
I was like Michael, I was writing words, but melody. Uh, we met with Wes King at his place outside Franklin, uh, Michael and I and Wes, and, and immediately Wes came up with a Hebraic melody. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that, Michael started writing words that fit that melody. And they are, we picture aged old Simeon, who uh, in the New Testament was uh, praying that he could ho- see the Messiah before he died. Yes. And, uh, and of course, Jesus had told the woman at the well, the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, that included Simeon and old Anna, the prophetess, both of them spending all their time in the temple hoping waiting. somehow God... Yeah, waiting. Yeah. And, and Michael pictures this in the first verse of our song, of, of him looking through the scriptures, a candlelight, and, and reading scriptures that, on one hand, are hopeful, but also troubling, because they seem to point to one who they know cannot be Messiah. And yet the scriptures are pointing to the one, the suffering lamb, the servant, yeah. the, the one who would die for our transgressions. And, and I mean, in, four, I mean in, in about four lines, Michael pictures old Simeon, mm-hmm. and, and he, is a, he is a symbol of us who are also seeking for Messiah. Is he the one? Of course. And, so this is, uh, and, a work in, this is a work in progress, right? A work in progress, but it's coming together, and we're going to meet right away in the next couple of days and see if we can bring it to completion. Wonderful. Can't and wait to hear this. We'll, we'll come back on this podcast, and we'll, we'll let the listeners uh, hear the finished product. Wow. And I, I think it's going to be... The reason I was born. Oh wow! Oh, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. What a collaboration, and, though. Pat and Boone and with had, Michael. Carter. I had to. I had to be with Michael in this. Well, it's been great getting to know you, and let me tell you, I have been so encouraged just by getting to hang out with you, Pat. God bless you. Well, God bless you guys. Yeah. Yep. I'll see you in a couple of days. We'll finish you it. Sure up. will. We'll finish okay. it. Up. Keep us posted, men. All right. We will. Good to meet you over the telephone. Pat Boone here. All right, let's uh, conclude with Michael singing a song for us, recorded in the studio, Bears of the Light. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will walk beside us, a strong friend Barnabas. He will be that sure shoulder to lean on. The promise we share is our burden to bear, and our light tells the darkness to be gone. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept This burden of bearing the light He will come after me, this young Timothy Looking for someone to guide him I will kindle his light, make him strong for the fight I will promise to be there beside him must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness the promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light and so we must claim in his powerful name the promise the bible has spoken We must understand that a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. The great need of us all, a true mentor, a Paul, who has traveled the road that's before us. He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. Bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. 
The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. That song makes me think of our guest, Pat Boone. Yeah, it makes me think about virtually the whole program. It mm-hmm. kind of pulls together uh, all the major themes of suffering. Mark, right? The yeah. context for Mark. Sure, sure. Um, for uh, people who have caricatured Christians in general as sort of uh, not really mattering or kind of goody two shoes. I mean, that's, I think Pat has mm-hmm. suffered with that caricature his whole life, right. but he's nonetheless, he's made this radical stand for the Lord. Um, yeah, there is a burden involved in bearing the light, but it's not a burden that we carry by ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We we turn and find that Jesus is there for us at yeah. you know at every point. Yeah, it's Christ in us. Yes, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, I always enjoy these hours together, but they always go by so quickly. Yeah. Um, thank you for investing your life in what we're doing here. Well, it, it, if it weren't for you and Joe, I wouldn't be doing this. I would be comfortably <laughs> sitting at home channel surfing at this point. <laughs> but there are things that we can learn together, and I, I appreciate you taking us into Mark, and we'll get into the other Gospels in, in the days ahead here. So. Yeah. And, and I think over the years, I think between the three of us, we have these connections that have been made you know, over the 30 or 40 years of doing this. And and to bring someone like a Pat Boone back in, yeah. And uh, here's a guy who's 85 years old, and he's still excited and still learning yeah. and still wants to contribute, which I think yeah. is wonderful. He's still a Jesus freak after all <laughs> these years. And and I look to people like him and others that we've had on the program that have sort of gone on before us, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, well, I mean, even the discussion uh, about a Maltby Babcock, the, those that have really gone on before us, mm-hmm. who are exemplars and help us. Um, to be encouraged and to see how to do it, or the Bill Lanes, the Denny Densons. I mean, think of all the people that we've been privileged to talk to yes. in this program. Yes, thank you, Michael. It's been challenging to be a part of this today, and I hope it's been challenging for our listeners as well. Please take a moment and pass along your comments or post a review of this podcast. On the website, you'll find the links to Pat Boone. You can access Michael's weekly blog, learn about his conference ministry, or other ways to expand on what you've heard in this session. We're found at michaelcard.com. And pass the link along for this podcast to a friend. We're easily found also on iTunes, Google Play, or on Spotify. You can look for the archive and links at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll join us next week as we open our session archives and present a classic broadcast recorded at the Mole End Studio. Now, for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Ashley Smith, Lance Mansfield, Jeff Jones, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition in the studio with Michael Carr.